0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of one of our 2020 Elul study classes. Hello,
1: everyone. Good afternoon. Closer to evening over here by me, but good afternoon to you over there in Los Angeles. Um, I thought we'd just start uh, by just singing a nigun again and maybe we'll get to it with the words in a little bit. It just goes like this. It's nice to, to get to be here with you, to get to sing and learn a little bit uh, and spend some time together this afternoon here as we make our way through Elul, uh, preparing ourselves for uh, what will be a, a particularly unique beginning of, uh, of the Jewish year. Um, and so, I thought that we would uh, we' continue our journey through some of the, the liturgy, both of the high holidays but also the, the liturgy at large, um, making our way both in song and in text to, uh, to explore a little bit about what the, what the hidden meaning behind the, the melodies are a little about some of the, the Torah that enhances and uh, informs the music. So um, I posted the link again um, in the chat if you want to have this, the source sheet for yourself, uh, but otherwise we'll also follow along together here. Um, so I'm going to share my screen and we'll take a look um, at our text together. Did that pop up? Can everybody see that? Oh, just learning how to use my mouse here. Okay, so Um, What we're going to do is uh, go back to this, uh, you know, this original journey we were talking about a little bit last week, which is the journey to the very beginning of creation. We learned that um, the first day that the world was created was actually the 25th of Elul, and that uh, after that, you know, six days later, human beings were created on the first day of Tishrei, which we now celebrate as Rosh Hashanah so uh, we 're going to look at some of the other things that happened on creation and some of the things that went into in a different kind of way the story of the creation of humanity, uh, different from how we looked at it last time when it was sort of God sort of just going one hour after another and Here we have a, a new take on it, uh, starting with a really beautiful Hasidic text from the Baa Uh Do we have another really a person who wants to, to take us through and be reading it in the English for us out loud today? It could also be me. people are filling their voices I- out
2: can read english
1: well great will you take us through jackie
2: <laughs> sure and the holy one said let the earth sprout vegetation pray sheet one one is an acronym for dean justice shalom peace and emet truth these three things are the roots of the earth the foundation of human existence and the conditions by which humanity can exist without them there is war amongst humanity and desolation
1: Okay, so we're going all the way back, even before humanity was created. We're now on the 28th of Elul. We're on the third day of creation, and God says, Let the earth sprout vegetation. Tadshe haaret deshe. And the Hasidic masters, they never want to look at anything literally. They always want to try and pull out, what is this Hasidic, what is this interpretation that we can use to help us live our lives? What are the ways that, that these words, it can be actionable and, intentionable and intentional for how we're going to live our lives today? So they say deshe isn't really about vegetation. It's not grass. It's actually an acronym. An acronym for din, justice, shalom, peace, and emet, truth. Right, it says, these three things are the roots of the earth, foundations of human existence. So I'm wondering if, if we can maybe think about this together. Wh- why are these the three things that are the foundation of human existence for the Baal of Why justice, peace, and truth? What do we think?
0: Yeah, Alex. So, what struck me is that um, chesed is not on there. And, um, and I think that when you have all three of those, chesed is unnecessary. Um, and it, so, but one does require justice for chesed, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds right to me. Uh, so, yeah, that was what struck me right away.
1: Nice. So the chesed seems to be missing. And we, you know, we recognize that a lot during our, our week of chesed here of building up at, at Beth Am. And I think that, um, perhaps maybe what you're saying is that, that Dean, Shalom, and Emet is kind of like a, an equation that gets to chesed, right? If we can have a world that has all three of these things, that is what builds chesed. So then we don't need to name chesed itself because we have all of its, um, component parts. Beautiful. I love that. Anything else people are noticing about? these particular characteristics, traits, I was, uh, I, so I'm, I'm working at, as the assistant rabbi at a synagogue in the Chicago suburbs this summer, and I was talking about this text with them, and somebody pointed out that uh, if you use the Seem Shalom uh, Weekday Siddur, I don't know if it's also in the Lev Shalom New Siddur, but when you're davening from that Siddur and you have those rabbinic texts in the morning um, that come right before Kadishter Rabbanon, they're divided into three categories of texts, and those categories are Din, Shalom, and Emet. I don't really know how that came to that, but like that the three categories of texts that we study in the morning as these rabbinic texts that we're going to begin our day with are Deen shalom, and emet. That maybe we're taking upon this Hasidic teaching that if we can think a little bit about how we can create and actualize justice, peace, and truth in the world... And that's what's going to make us be able to live our day after, the, after our morning tefillah. Um, I also, I mean, I love the idea of, and the wording here is also really beautiful. It says, without them, um, ad- ishbere, uh, there's war amongst humanity, umidbar, and desolation, right? The word midbar meaning desert, right? So without the grass, the vegetation, which is justice, peace, and truth, we were, we were left with desert, with a, with a world of desolation. Um, and I love the idea that these three things sort of build together to create a harmonic world. Right? Without one of these pieces, the other two can't exist. Right? Justice is what creates peace. Right? If we're in a world without justice, then there's war. If we're in a world without peace, then there can't be justice because people can't be expected to lift each other up when they're not at peace with each other. And similarly with truth, right? If we can't have sort of an ultimate truth, if we can't have some people that understand and are decisors of truth, then justice is impossible. All right, so all these three things have to sort of go hand in hand. Um, and without them, we can't get to this kind of society that we want to live in. All right, so we have this, this idea. Let's hold on to that in our minds. We have these three characteristics, din, shalom, and emet. And these character traits uh, actually get into a very, very uh, wild dialogue with God. All of them are anthropomorphized. And, uh, and so I want to, Jackie, if you'll take us through this next text also. It's a commentary from Brashid Rabbah, also on this same story about how God became... Began to create human beings.
2: When God began to create the world, all of the angels began to argue with each other. The angel of chesed, loving-kindness, said, holy one, you should create humankind as they are filled with loving-kindness. The angel of truth said, oh holy one, do not create humankind as they are filled with lies. The angel of righteousness said, create them for they will establish justice. The angel of peace said, do not create them, for they will be in constant strife.
1: Okay, let's pause here for a second. What did God? So so we have, we now have, it appears, we've now received chesed. Here comes chesed coming into the picture. And we got these four character traits now, and they're in a sort of battle with each other. God says, I'm going to create human beings. And they go up, and each one of them presents a case for whether human beings should exist or not. Right and uh, and and we would think, or I, at least I would think, wh- why are these traits not on the side of human beings? Why would they not? These traits, which seem to be powerful and positive, uplifting character, character traits of human beings, why would they not be in favor of human beings being created? So let's just take one of them at a time. So we have chesed, loving-kindness, right? I, it seems obvious that loving-kindness would say, you should create human beings, right? They're filled with chesed. They're, they're able to do acts of chesed all the time. Acts of chesed are so beautiful. How could the world exist without that? You have to create human beings. And then here comes truth. And truth says, no, no, no. You can't create human beings because they're filled with lies. Right. Truth does not trust human beings. Fascinating. Um, and then we get righteousness, which I would, conne- I would connect to Dean, right? Justice and righteousness sort of going hand in hand here. Righteousness says, create them, because they're the ones who are going to enact justice in the world. But then the angel Shalom comes back up and says, don't, don't create them. They're going to be in constant strife with each other. So on one side, we have chesed and tzedek, loving kindness and righteousness. And on the other side, we have emet, truth. And we have um, Shalom, peace, who are saying, don't create human beings. So uh, I don't know if anybody already looked ahead to see what happened. But Jackie, why don't you tell us wh- what God decides?
2: Uh, what did God do? God lifted up the angel of truth and threw it down to the ground, as it is written. And truth was hurled to the ground, Daniel eight twelve. The angels immediately began shouting, holy one, why have you so chastised the chief of your court? Let truth arise again from the earth. As it is written, truth springs up from the earth.
1: Okay. So we got a lot of stuff going on here. Um, God decides to punish the characteristic traits that are saying that human beings should not be existed, should not be created. Um, hold on one second. I don't know how to find the. Um, I, I think, it did, I don't know if somebody posted it in the chat, but I can't see it. Oh, there we go. Now I can see it. Okay. <laughs> it's hiding. Um, still hiding. Hold on one second, sorry. Okay, so um, we have all these different character traits, and they're doing a whole bunch of different things, and God throws, human- God throws Emet down to the earth. And, uh, and, and so the, the angels, all the different character traits, say, why why emmet? And it's because Emmet is God's seal, right? We say, Adonai Elohechem Emet, at the end of the Shema. So it's, this, it's said that this seal of God is truth. So why would God hurl truth to the ground, what do we think is the significance of God throwing earth down to God throwing Emmet down to the earth here? Any ideas
2: something that I think is really interesting is that and looking at the two of them together is that truth is the only one that in theory is not relative like tr- like the thing either happened or it didn't happen like hmm. what each person thinks of justice is different, and so it 's interesting that like that God is setting the foundation is the one thing you can't argue with. Like, either the world was created or the world was not created. Either people exist or they don't exist. One is the truth and one is not. Whereas, like, justice is relative and and righteousness is relative. Chesed, is, ch- chesed could go either way. Like, in theory, it's it kind of is what it is. But, like, truth is the one where, like, it just is or is not.
1: Beautiful. OK, so there's this possibility that truth is the only one that has like an ultimate, an ultimate yes or no. The other ones are all possibilities. There's sort of varying levels of each one of those. But this truth, we might have this sort of ultimate idea. So it feels like the outlier here. Yeah. Alex. Um,
0: also, I think truth, it, it requires excavation and it requires uh, a very, so it's a very complicated thing to understand. Stand in the human world, because there are so many, uh, ver- Like I agree with Jackie, and I also think that humans shade truth, so it's very complicated to seek it, and very complicated to understand it and to see it. So it is our responsibility to seek truth in a different way from others, perhaps, because it requires more excavation from within the earth, from within like, this human experience.
1: Nice. Okay, so we have to dig into truth. Truth is the one that requires us to really think about it. We have to figure out how to, how, how to discern what truth is in a way that it's much easier to see in some ways the other, the other three. Yeah, I think that there's a, sort of, there's a connection with, with both of what, what, you're, what you're both saying here, and, and I think that that's the reason, perhaps, why God throws truth to the ground, right? So it comes up from the earth vegetation, grass, needs to be watered. It needs to be cared for. It needs to be watched over. And when God throws emet down to the earth, God is saying these other things, chesed, din, shalom, maybe I can help take care of them. But truth, truth is on you. Truth is something you have to dig up. Truth is something you have to figure out. You have to be the ones that are the caretakers of truth. Because there, there has to be a way for us to get to this ultimate truth. Um, and so when it says truth springs up from the earth, God is literally throwing truth to the ground to, to be in human beings' hands. Or we're now in charge of finding, of discerning, of digging deep and understanding what eternal truth is. So I was thinking about the, these two ideas, and, uh, and that's sort of what came to me when I was uh, coming up with this melody that we were singing a little bit earlier for these words, emet atahu rishon, atahu acharon, in truth, you are first, in truth, you are last, and, uh, and without you, there's nothing, right? There's Ein Lanu Melech, Ein Lanu there's no redemption, there's no salvation, there's, there's nothing without truth. And there's a whole bunch of ways to read this text, right? And Emmet, this word, is a, is a really, really powerful word. I love the way that um, all the Hebrew letters connect to each other, that there's different significances between different words. I love gematria, which is Hebrew numerology, that every single letter has its own numerical significance. Um, Emmet. Is, uh, is one of the particularly powerful words. It begins with Aleph, and it goes all the way to Tav. It encompasses the entire Hebrew alphabet with Mem right there in the middle, right at the middle of the alphabet. And it also is, it encompasses the entire life cycle of, of a human being, right? Searching for truth is, a, is an everlasting endeavor from M from the womb, from the mother, to Met, to death. Right? The, entire, the entire collection of our life cycle event just in this one word, Emet. And and so we see it, and, and emet is, in, 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 in this case, is talking about, these words come from the paragraph right before mi chamocha. they're sort of stuck right in the middle of the page, in a way that sometimes you could just gloss over if you were just reading through the text. But when the words pop out at you, they, they tell you something, and it, there it's probably talking about God as this ultimate truth, but also it's talking to each one of us. emet, atahu rishon, in truth, you are first. emet, atahu acharon, in truth, you are last. There are times when you have to hold on to your personal truth, when you have to make sure that you're lifting up yourself and taking care of what your truth needs. But more often than not, emet You have to hold back. You have to allow other people's truths to get into the forefront. You have to help bring other people's truths. Who can't bring their own truths forward, you have to help them bring their truth into the spotlight. That's what this is telling us. Emet is emissive. It needs to be watered. We have to tell ourselves that we have to bring truth along with us. So... Uh, with this deepened understanding of of what these words are trying to say with these words emet we're going to sit for a couple of minutes in these words emet atarishon we'll start just with this word emet that repeats a bunch of times um, holding on and sort of picking to get picking apart each one of those letters until we can lift them up bringing each one forward and each one behind and and uh when we sing together with a group of people, I often try and tell people with this text to to find moments in the song where you're singing out very loud, where you're finding that your voice is the voice that you're hearing the most, that your emet is out in the forefront of the melody. Uh, And then at other times, you're finding moments to hold back so that you can listen and hear the other voices, hear other truths coming to the spotlight. So it's easier when there's a whole bunch of voices sometimes to be able to hold your voice back or to project your voice forward. But there's something particularly unique about when you're only able to hear two voices, your voice and an additional voice. And in that case, it's much, it's in some ways, it's it's very different to be able to vocalize and hear your own voice getting louder and softer in comparison to just one other voice. So I invite you to to try that out over the course of the time when we're singing this melody together too. We'll see how it goes.
3: I, I, I.
1: Beautiful, everyone. Thank you. So, I've uh, been thinking about Ahmed a lot recently, and also been thinking about this question of uh, of of humanity's existence and whether or not human beings should have been existed. Uh, mostly because I- I'm I'm attempting to to do Dafyomi these days, which is, which is studying a page of Talmud each day, and uh, this week there was a particular page that uh, had a very famous teaching on it um, related to the question, this very question that we're discussing, whether or not human beings should exist or not. And so I, I thought maybe we should, we should share this together um, in thinking about entering this holiday season and, and moving through and trying to figure out what it is we're supposed to do now that we're here on this earth. Um, Jackie, would you want to keep reading for us here? I made it, the font a little bigger so it's easier.
2: Sure. So, oh, yeah, it's much easier to read. <laughs> um, another Baraita. For two and a half years, Beat Shaman and Beat Hillel disagreed. These say it would have been preferable had humanity not been created than to have been created. And those said it is preferable for humanity to have been created than had they not been created. Ultimately, they were accounted and concluded. It would have been preferably had humanity not been created than to have been created. However, now that they have been created, they should examine their actions that they have performed and fixed them. And some say they should scrutinize their planned actions and evaluate whether or not and in what way they should be performed so that they will not sin.
1: Okay, so we're having a very lengthy debate, right? It lasted for two and a half years. This comes right after the Talmud tells us that Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel argued for three years about some topic that we don't even know about, uh, and then we realize that Beit Hillel is always right. Um, But here, Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai are discussing whether or not human beings are supposed to have been created or not, right? Should, should humanity exist or should humanity not exist? The same question that the character traits we discussing before human beings were created, now that we've been created, we're still having the same conversation as the angels. Um, trying to figure out, was it, was it worth it? Was this the right decision for God to have created human beings? And also fascinating that, that it's human beings who are having this conversation about whether or not we who are having this conversation should exist or not. So they, they finally come to a conclusion and, uh, and they decide that it would have been better for human beings not to have been created. A fascinating decision from people who then would not have been created, right? They believe that, that human beings are sinners at heart, which is a hard thing for them to say. They say that, you know what, maybe human beings shouldn't have been created. We, we cause a lot of tension. We cause a lot of drama to each other. But you know what? The fact is that now we're already here. We're here. That's it. This question isn't a relevant question anymore because we exist. So what we now have to figure out is what do we do with that responsibility of existence? Here we are. We're living here in the world. We have a responsibility now to do something. What is it? And they come to the, the, the conclusion that what we have to do now is think about our actions while we're doing them, after we've done them, and ideally before we do them. And so this is one of the reasons why during this month of tshuva, we take a look back at all of our actions. We look back at the things that we've done over the past year and see if we could find ways to fix them. And then we look and think about what are these things that we might do in the future and how could we choose a different path, right? That's what it means to be a human being. It's to be a thinking being. Human beings are different from from all other creations. We have the ability to process and think about our actions before we do them. So with that, with that ability comes a huge amount of responsibility to, to do something. So, so that's what the rabbis are trying to teach us. And, and they do this amazing thing, which is that they, they argue all the time. Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai are always disagreeing. They always have differing opinions. Here is one of the few times where they come together, right? They were counted and they concluded. This is a time when they've come to an agreement. They come together to say that human beings are thinking about how to live our lives intentionally. And, and this is a really, it's, it's one of the, the most powerful examples of dialogue, uh, of, of talking and being in conversation with somebody who disagrees with you, vehemently disagrees with you, and, and even so, finding a way to come together and, uh, and live, live in a society that's meaningful and intentional. So this was like, uh, this was four days ago. Oh I, I'm, and the fascinating thing for me is that the, the so the Daffyomi cycle is a seven and a half year cycle, so the last time this page was studied was not around this period of time it wasn 't during Elul. but you know, I, I, I mean, not to say that this is the ideal cycle to be studying Dafyomi, but I'm finding that every page that I'm that I'm fi- that I'm looking at has to do with something that's happening in the world around us, um, an ever living document per se. Um, so this is what it's teaching us to to find a way to to live in the world, and that there's a responsibility that comes with being a human, at at the at the, the minimum level. So, um, with that responsibility, we're actually. Let's take, our, let's take our way down here. This is a, a, a new one. So we're going to try this one out together. Um, this is one of my favorite psalms. It's one of the psalms that we sing uh, every morning. i sorry, we sing, we sing on Shabbat mornings. And uh, it's, a, it's a really, really beautiful teaching about all these different ways that we connect to Torah using all these different pieces of our bodies. Um, so I'll, I'll read the English here for us, but it comes from Torah Adonai Timima, the, the teachings of the Holy One are perfect, renewing the soul, neshivat nafesh, they renew the soul. The decrees of the Holy One are enduring, making the simple wise. The precepts of the Holy One are just, rejoicing the heart. The instruction of the Holy One is radiant, lighting up the eyes. The awe of the Holy One is pure, enduring forever. The judgments of the Holy One are true, righteous altogether. More desirable than gold, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey, than drippings of honeycomb. I just think that there's a lot of really powerful uh, imagery that's happening here. And, uh, and so before we get to the, the singing of this text, I wanted to think about um, two various different interpretations of, of what this text is trying to tell us. Um, so, Jackie, will you read this one from uh, Rashi on this verse?
2: The decrees of the Holy One are enduring. The Torah is reliable to witness in those who study it a returning a return slash stirring of the soul. It stirs the soul from the paths of death to the paths of life.
1: Okay. So this this was one of the reasons I wanted to bring this one particularly today. In thinking about Shuva, right, Mishivat Nafesh, a returning of the soul. That's what, that's what the teachings of the, of the Torah are about. Edut Adonai, these decrees, these witnessing. If we experience a moment that's transcendent, if we experience a moment where we feel divinity, we feel holiness, we feel God, it's enough to, to stir us up. That it's not just about returning, it's about reinvigorating. So that when we arrive back at that place we were before, back before we, we made this, this transgression, this indiscretion, we are coming back to it different than we were before. Right? We've, we've had this stirring up of our soul, so then we can't, when we arrive at this situation again, we can't act the same way that we acted previously. It stirs up the soul. And so then we're moving ourselves from the path of death to the path of life. And then let's take a look at Meor Enaim. Can you read this last one for us too? Midrash Mishle 15,
2: what, what brightens the eyes, gladdens the heart. These are those who study Torah. They light up the eyes of all humanity and gladden the heart of humanity, too, as it is written. The instruction of the Holy One is radiant, making the eyes light up.
1: Beautiful. So this verse comes from Proverbs. What brightens the eyes gladdens the heart. When we see things that we love and we see things that are meaningful for us, it lifts us up. It, it, it physically changes the way that we are feeling. Um, and it opens us up to the possibility of, of change, the possibility of growth. And uh, and so I, I, I saw this text and I and I had been I knew a melody for the first line, but I wanted there to be a melody that I could sing for all four of these lines that we get all the way to this fine, fine gold, this sweeter than honey, these teachings of Torah um, but I wanted a melody that reminded me of the, the melody that I learned in my childhood. Uh, I don't know if anybody else knows it, but it's, Torah Tashem um, Temima, Torah Tashem timima
3: Torah Tashem Temima, Meshivas <laughs> Nafez, Eidut Tashem
1: do you sing this every Shabbat morning, Rabbi Shatz? Oh, amazing. All right, so right, there's that... We like, definitely don't,
2: melody. but we have. We have sung it. Yeah. We just don't do it every Shabbat. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's early on in the service. There aren't really, too many people I
2: appreciated there. your Meshivas instead of Meshivat. That was good. That it's was like really
1: good for It feels like a Meshivish melody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so i wanted a melody that would sort of be reminiscent of that that would have this sort of march feel to it that would have this feeling that you could just get up and 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 have a stirring of the soul that it would light up the eyes that it would rejoice the heart that it would feel like you were dripping sort of this like sweet honey all over it so um the melody goes like this we'll try it just as an egoon first and then we'll see if we can try it with the words um okay I na 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 na. na 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 na.
3: na na na. na 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 na. That's the first bar. Ay na 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 na. <laughs> Again, I na, I know na na na, I na I
1: So this melody is is what's known as in, uh, you'll notice it's the A section, and then the B section, and then the C section, and then it goes back to the A section. A, B, sorry, goes back to the B section. A, B, C, B. A, B, C, B melody, which uh, in Hasidish nigunim is actually called a yud Hey vav he nigun It starts at the Yud, it goes to the He, and then it goes to the Vav, and then it goes back to the He. And the idea is that in Chassidish nigunim, that we don't, when we're when we're elevating ourselves with a nigun, you don't want to step all the way down the ladder, right? You've, went, you've brought yourself up, you've brought yourself up, and so you don't want to go all the way back to the beginning. We want to just take one step down the rung, so we're not sort of going all the way to the bottom, but we're continuing our elevation throughout the whole melody, Yud Vav He Nigun. So uh, we'll try it out again. We'll start with that with the A section, and then we'll see if we can add the words.
3: imati tu rada donaye te mimashi va tash e do tadonae namana ma kimati Donaeba, Adonai irate, no, I have a Adonai day. Adona, yes, I read me some, some, he left. Nitsvatadona, you Adona, I am sad the cuya artab, Yirat, Yirat Adona, te horat, Omededla. Nishpatia dona, I am sad the cuya artab. Hanekam. توکی می دواش و نوف توفیم ها نخمدی می زهب می devash
1: Okay um would you like to be involved in the in the songwriting process for a moment Okay I uh, I am trying to decide how to sing the last line of the song So the way that we just sang it is uh broken down by phrase, uh, sorry, by word and a phrase. So it's I think that might be an easier way to sing it than uh, sort of pushing the words together, which would sound like this. No? Not that way. Way one. Okay. Cool. Is that only because that's the way that we sung it when we first learned it? Like we are already have an affinity for it? Okay. We're feeling like that's actually... An no.
2: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's better. All right.
1: Well, uh, you've now been involved. Everybody gets an asterisk songwriting (laughs) credit.
2: (laughs) Produced by
3: everyone. (laughs) All right.
1: One day this will also be a melody that's sung every Shabbos morning. It's, uh, I feel like it's one where, like, the ten people who are at Shoal that early can, like, march around the sanctuary, and uh, maybe they'll even pull out the Torah, because it's about Torah, or they'll open up the ark, they'll go over, they'll dance. Um, that, that's how I imagine it. Sometimes when you're writing a song, you, like, imagine the different ways that it will be sung. Um, this is one of those. All right, we're filling up for one last one for today? Okay. Here we go. Uh, moving back into the creation story just for one more moment before we, we move beyond for, uh, for the next two weeks. Um, but uh, this is another text that I just, uh, I really, really love, uh, from one of my favorite Rebbe's, Rev Simcha Banimam Um he's the rabbi who uh, very famously said that there are two pieces of paper that we should always have in our pockets at all times, one that says I am but dust and ashes, and one that says the whole world was created for me, uh, for balance. Uh, we're supposed to pull out the piece of paper that we need in any given moment, or possibly we're supposed to pull out the piece of paper that we don't need in that particular moment. Um, that's Rev Simcha Banim of Peshischa. So here's another teaching of Rev Simcha Banim that I just find to be super powerful. Uh, Jackie, will you take us through this one too?
2: In the beginning, the Holy One created, and it follows that even now, far after the world was created, it is still as far as, as we are concerned in the beginning, because this particular creation is not like a typical creation that is made by the hands of an artist, where after it is made, it no longer requires a maker. Rather, every single day and at every hour, the world is in need of renewing. And should energy in a higher power cease to be put into it, God forbid, the world would return to chaos and disarray.
1: Okay. All right. A whole lot going on here. We're back to the very beginning. Breshit bara Elohim. This is the first first words of the Torah. In the very beginning, God began to create. And so he says that if, So, as far as the world being created, the world is a very different creation from a normal creation, right? Let's say you're a potter and you, you make ceramic pots for a living. Once you're finished making the ceramic pot, you sign your name on the bottom and then you sell it, right? You have no need for this pot anymore. It's done. Not so with God's creation of the world. Not so with the world. The world, there's Rav Simcha Bane says that if, if ever this energy that's creating, if ever this creating this renewing were to stop, the whole world would return to chaos and disarray it 's like um, it 's like if on a carousel that 's sort of spinning by centrifugal force and if it 's spinning and spinning and spinning and suddenly it stops, and everything just flies off of it that 's sort of what I, what i 'm imagining and um, and I think the idea here is uh, that it's not only God who's helping to renew and create the world. That as soon as humanity came into the world and began thinking about our deeds and acting in the world, it's up to us to begin to continue this renewal, to continue to create in the world, to become partners with God in this act of creation. And, and, and so it, it brings me to this, this text, which is, HaMeir La'aretz V'ladarim um, Aleha. God who lights up the world and all of its inhabitants with mercy. This text comes right after the Baruch It's in every single service. And uh, for, you know, 26 years of my life, it just sat there, uh, right there. And I would just read it and move past it. And it's one of those Prayers that was always part of the murmurai for me. The murmurai being uh, where you're like reading. You say baruchu, and everybody sits down and goes, you know, etc. etc. Um, but these words, if you look at them, they just, they. One day I looked at them and I said, oh my God, these are these are some these are some nice words. Um, God who lights up the world and all of its inhabitants with mercy. And here's the, here's the kicker. Uvtuvo mechadesh becholyom tamid And in God's goodness, every day God renews the act of creation. So I thought, what does it mean uh, to renew the act of creation every single day? Right, the idea is that somewhere in the world there is something new happening every single day and that that we ourselves like we mentioned before we're new you have all of today's memories inside of you for tomorrow so tomorrow if you encounter some situation you can't live it the same way that you lived today you have to choose something else and even if you choose the same you're choosing it with more information than you choose than you chose yesterday um so we ourselves are new and we get to become partners in this act of creating new things, of doing new things, of, of finding ways to uh, to keep the world spinning. And in thinking about what it means to create, to sort of rebirth the world every single day, um, Hebrew is a gendered language. So most of the time when we speak about God in the liturgy, we use masculine suffixes, masculine forms, um, which is how you would see this prayer if you saw it in the siddur, or hamme'ir la'aretz faladarim aleha. But in thinking about this rebirth, my co-writer for this song and I, Colleen Deeker, we thought, what would it feel like, what would it sound like, what would it taste like to speak about and think about God in the feminine? Right, to think about this rebirth as coming from the feminine aspect of God also. Uh, and so we decided to sing out "Hamet uh, me she who lights up the world and all of her inhabitants with mercy, and in her goodness every single day she renews the act of creation. So this, this melody begins with, with a hum, and this hum goes back all the way to the very beginning, the, uh, the first primal hum. In the beginning there was nothing, and then there was a hum, and then there was a bang, and suddenly the universe kept expanding and expanding and expanding until it encompassed all of us, and now as we know it's up to us to hum, to bring into existence more newness, more creation in the world. So we're going to start just with that hum, and we'll see if we can sing this one together am ha
3: ha ha How many you are? That's it.
1: Everyone, I want to bless us that uh, this week, as we continue our, our journey in, in Shuva, our journey through Elul, that we find ways to, to continue to create new things in the world, that we continue to, to uh, explore and touch and, uh, and go through our deeds uh, to choose the, the path that, that is, uh, is most powerful, most true, most filled with peace and justice uh, and righteousness next year.